Recorded live.
Stand by for the Waterman Files in about five minutes. Stand by. You there, Doc? I'm here. I'm here. Are you there? Can you hear me? I'm here. Okay. Good enough. Just you checking bet. the system, making sure that it says you were connected, but I wasn't <laughs> sure. Well, I'm glad you checked. <laughs> Let me know if you can hear the music. Okay. I don't hear it. I, I don't hear it. Okay. Still don't hear it. Okay. Now I did. Don't now. <laughs> Talk to you standby. We'll be streaming live here as soon as we get the studio at uh, Truth Radio going. Second is to join All News Network with a minimal membership fee of $5 a month or... Stand by. We're going to stream uh, on all of it. Uh, TalkShoe and uh, Truth Radio or <laughs> Veterans Truth Radio VTN uh, as soon as I can hear the studio connected. It's still playing bumper. Okay. I don't hear any bumper stuff. Feed over to you. Hang on. They gave me a new mixing board. <laughs> oh, nice. 
Stand by. We'll be live. Well, we are live, but we'll be more live. <laughs> I hear no music yet. The Waterman Files, Dr. John Waterman. Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. And good evening, good afternoon. And if you're in a podcast, wherever you might be, whenever you might be listening, hello. I'm glad you're listening. And for those of you that are in the chat rooms, I want to say hello to all of you. Glad to have you here with our broadcast. The streams are going out to all of you via the A, uh, allnews.network, the Veterans Truth Network, the VTN Radio, TalkShoe, wherever you might be. We're glad that you've been able to uh, sign in and listen to us. I'm glad you're here. We'll have a nice uh, broadcast today. We have been tweaking, or uh, Chip has been anyway, tweaking the uh, Connections and all the uh, uh, automated uh, 
connectivity. In other words, when uh, I call using a non-Skype phone, you know all these shows are using Skype. Well, Chip has accommodated me. I use my VoIP phone. I knew it could be done, and he's got it, got getting it automated, and uh, we're getting it polished. And hey, no time at all will be up and running. All of this will be completely automated. Still nice to have a chip there live, tweaking everything as we go along. You know, yesterday we were talking about hearing <laughs> beeps and and noises and and uh, maybe even a ha ha or something. And it, we come to find out that uh, this new automated answering system through a new telephony, well, new telephone system on the Internet, a new uh, Internet phone system or VoIP system, well, apparently those people wanted to hear what we had to say. Well, they forgot to turn their mic off. <laughs> they had something open, and they were listening to the show. So welcome to even our VoIP listeners. Glad you're here. Just keep your mic, mic uh, closed uh, and, uh, and uh, we'll be fine. But you did a good job. All right. Like I've always been telling you, every show, every time, it's important for you to know you're not alone. I hope he's listening to this. We've been fighting a long time and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you're not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. You are not alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. We are in this together. to the world population, aren't we? More like the, you know, the scrap that comes off some material. Oh, my goodness, we do have a... Somebody does have a mic open. I heard the post uh, being... I heard the beep from the uh, uh, chat room go over the uh, mic there, so I, apparently we now we have a little feedback... We're just trying to tweak it, so I'm kind of letting him know what what's uh, what to hear here. But we're really glad you're here. Continue to donate to the All News Network effort, uh, the Veterans Truth Network, uh, VTN Radio. They're all buttons there for donating to the effort. TheWatermanFiles.com appreciates your contributions, too. And without you guys, we really couldn't do this. I, I know that uh, my funds uh, and Chip's funds have come, you know, they do not 
we we are not a bottomless pit for sure. It's a, a passion. It's because we want to get truth out. We want to make a difference. We want to keep people aware. We want to communicate the truth. That's why we do this. And it has uh, taken us uh, for years and years up and down. Uh, Some of us have come into the truth the hard way. Some of us have been a little bit more fortunate than others. But I think we all have scars from this battle called fighting for the truth, don't we? Every one of us. Once you really do learn what's going on, uh, it's really kind of frustrating at first because we begin to say, are you crazy? Don't you know? Can't you see this? And uh, then the response from close friends and family may not be very good, or they may be bad. And sometimes we even lose friends, and sometimes we even lose family. But you cannot escape the truth once you learn it. Let me give you a real simple, easy truth that all of you already know. And that's the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve notes, those things called paper dollars in your pocket, that's not real money. And once they learn how that operates, well, once you learn it and you know exactly what the truth is, well, then why say anything else, right? But there are people out there that do not understand that it is a private business. (laughs) They don't get that at all. It has... It's so incomprehensible, but uh, we can lay that squarely at the feet of the educational system whose intent is not to educate you about truths, but to subvert with an agenda to hide the truth in many areas, and one of them happens to be that one. So when you go to college thinking you're going to learn something, go into music, you know, at least you're going to learn music. Now, there's there's some conspiracies there, too. Changing the frequencies of middle C, for example, really exists. We have lots of them. But I encourage people to continue to dig. And like I said yesterday, continue to find like-minded people that you can rally with that you can find comfort with, that you can find, you know, that kind of companionship that is hard to find. When people are not on the same page, it's like, duh, how many times do you have to be told? How can you not get this, you know? (laughs) And so really it just becomes frustrating. And that's that's not the kind of circle that will engender a lot of uh, esprit de corps, is it? It does not, it does not fire up the troops. It, it actually creates frustration. So we need to remove ourselves from that, gather ourselves around those like-minded ground crew members that knows what's going on. Now today, I will say, one of our listeners of a long time has sent me an email with an audio file I'm going to be taking this audio file and taking clips out of it because next week we need to talk about the subject of fraud. 
we need to talk about that ever-continuing saga of trying to suck money out of good people with the promise of whole bunches of people coming. We've got the Nasera fraud, you know. The, oh, that's that big secret law passed in order to pay off the debt of the United States. It's all, it's all a lie. We need to get into it, and I will, get, I will tell you about it. And I will tell you more about it next week. But I have been dealing with these people. In fact, I was on the trail of one of these people. I mean, I had a crew of guys. Uh, and we were on the trail. Like when we went into this one office building to find him, <laughs> oddly enough, it was his name. He went by Doc. It's not this Doc, another one. I don't even know if he was a doctor. When I went there and I looked, I was looking around. There was offices in this uh, big building, and there were some uh, offices next door that had their door open. And I said, uh, are they here? And they said, well, you guys were here yesterday. And I didn't tell them yes or no. I said, uh, how long has it been empty? They said, well, it's just they just left about you know a couple days ago. I said, what did you say earlier? They said, well, you guys were here before. I, I, we talked to you, the FBI yesterday. Why are you back? <laughs> We've been on the trail of these kind of critters for a long time, and many of them operate at long distance via phone calls and recordings, uh, pandering lies and, and, and BS, taking your money, continuing to promise to pay big returns because they're playing in the banking system that gives you 258% return monthly. Okay, who couldn't? Who with a slick tongue? Who could have ever refuse that? Well, people that are smart don't do that. We're going to get into that next week. But today, I wanted to tell you, one of the smartest things you could do is just buy some food on our sale. <laughs> We've got a sale. Yes, we have a sale. We have a big package that's on sale, cheaper than you can get at Costco. Four people, one year. And uh, uh, the, it usually goes for about $3,800. It's a lot less than that. Call us. Go to simplyyourfood.com. Get the phone number and call. We also are offering another package where we have a little bit of food, about 500 that we can offer, it's not food that we've got in our personal stock. It'll come from the warehouse, fresh and new and all that. But we can offer $500 in food at 20% off as long as, and until that's all sold, you've got 20% off on anything you want at Simply Your Food. Anything. That could be um, sauces. It could be um, seasoning. It could be... Uh, you know, uh, yogurt, uh, you, you name it, whatever it is you want, freeze-dried. And uh, there's a lot of gluten-free, certified gluten-free stuff. It's really good food. And, yes, we do have some entrees that are like uh, MREs only better. We have those kind of things. But if you want meat, we've got just meat. If you want vegetables, pick out what you want. We've got it probably. And then you can get 20% off. I'm just telling you. Go to simplyyourfood.com and check it out. Today on the 
watermanfiles.com is a video of a fellow that was being interviewed on uh, Greg Hunter's USA Watchdog, who used to be, of course, a CNN anchor, <clears throat> and uh, he's interviewing a fellow about the economy, and basically he's talking about the banks versus gold. It's very informative. You have to sit down and listen closely because he's a fast talker. Today, you'll hear a little clip from that as we uh, get into more of the news and stuff, but uh, I'll have that for you uh, today. Well, one of the interesting things that I really want to talk about today in a big way is the refugee issue. Now, we're going to be spending a lot of money all over the world moving people around. Is this because the war was lost? <laughs> Is the war lost? Is America's, oh, we're doing a fine job. You listen to Obama. Oh, we're doing a fine job. We're going to really win. Oh, you're really winning, aren't you? Supposedly, you're winning so well that millions of people are having to be moved out of the Mideast into Western European and America nations in America and Western Europe because they have to get out of harm's way. Why? Let them, here's what you do. You hand them a gun, you teach them how to shoot, and they go fight for their country's freedom. You know, there was something like that that happened before here in America. It was called the American Revolution. And if they're not willing to fight for their country, why in the hell should we bring them here? Doesn't that make sense? So, you go, well, they're old. Okay, fine. Don't have those guys fight. Well, they're women. Oh, since when did women not fight? I mean, we've got women on our military, right? Folks, with the billions they're moving, using to move these people into other countries, that's just the beginning of the cost. The cost to move them is just the start. Because why? You do, do you know I went many years ago because the school that I went to in business when in my undergrad was business. Well, I didn't they didn't like me anyway. You know, I was a Rhodes candidate and I interviewed uh before all the deans of the college. They ask you, they invite you to become a Rhodes scholar. And some of the schools all across America, they have programs and they're named different things. And uh mine's mine was called the Oxbridge program and that means Oxford and Cambridge, right? And so what it means is that you'll be tutored. Yeah, you are paid. They will pay to have you tutored on every class. Every class. You don't go to class. You go to you have a tutor. It 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 costs $60,000 a semester. And that was back when I was in college. So they asked me. I said, "Okay." They they said, "So the process is that once you're invited, you have to write a paper." Once you write the paper, and if they like that paper, then you go to an oral review. And the oral review is every single solitary dean of the entire college. 
So when you walk in that room, there's like this big old long conference table, and there's like 20 deans sitting there, and they're ready to nail your rear end, you know. <laughs> and and so that uh, mine happened to be for the institutions and policy at uh, the in the Oxbridge uh, program. There were two of us that were coming up that had been invited out of the entire college at William Jewell. If you go there, you can check it out. And uh, uh, it was my misunderstanding that depressed me at the time that I lost to the dean's uh, debate, so to speak. In that, uh, But I did get the history major. He said, I will sponsor you in law school. He didn't ask me any questions during this oral review. All I got was smacked around. When I was done, all I was told is, I thought I had been, I thought I seemed conservative, but you take the cake. <laughs> well, I wasn't willing, I wasn't willing to, you know, bow to the brainwashing. They didn't like that. In fact, they told me, we're not going to have people like you get in this. We want people that are willing to learn, willing to bow, willing to submit, willing to do the globalist agenda was what it was about. And I had no idea I was in the mouth of this agenda when I unleashed a paper talking about the globalist agenda. Boy, did they hate that. Actually, I think they just brought me in to interview so they could try and beat me up. And it was really kind of funny because I was standing in front of all these people and there was about you know, five headstrong globalists in that group, the psychology department, the economic department, and, 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 and there was, those were the ones that were beating me up. It was pretty obvious, you know. So what I'm saying, though, is in this world called <laughs> Earth, there are some fundamentals that shape our liberty. And that's the willingness to fight for our ability to be free. And when I began to go into business, one of the things out of that business, I didn't go, by the way, to the Cambridge thing. I was just a candidate for it. But after I was done with that and wanted to start business, they recommend you go to the um, small business administration to these classes and then these classes they say well there's some funds for minorities and i'm sitting there a white anglo-saxon scottish white man right i'm not going to get this and they were saying if you're a minority you can apply and there was one black guy in this group and he said that's bull crap <laughs> i've applied for it and i'm black and i've done it about three times and they won't even touch me and then I found out why, because they're giving it to Middle Easterners. Now, that was 20-some jillion years ago, you know, a long time ago. They were giving, he said, and they're not just giving you loans, they're giving grants. So he says, I'm not even qualifying as a black man in America. He says, you have to be Indian from India or a Mideasterner and Semitic from the Middle East, and they won't just give you a loan, they'll give you a business free. When did we start having to compete with our government? 
Do you realize that's what we've been doing as people of America in business for ourselves? We've been competing with our own government to feed ourselves, to make our businesses healthy. We have foreigners coming into this country, and you can bet your bottom dollar when this refugee program costing us millions and millions and billions of dollars gets started, that it will not end with just the moving of those into countries they're headed for, but they will be set up in businesses for free. How many of you have been going to some of these hotel chains They're run by Indians from India. They're run by Pakistanis. And when they remodel, it's gaudy as hell. It's some gaudy gold crap. The the wallpaper looks like it's horrible. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I can't stand it, tell you the truth. You can tell the American culture is not in that room when you get done with it. It's like, Where's the Buddha in the corner? You know, that's how you feel. We have a problem, and they're starting to send us refugees in something that has now been called the the Resettlement Surge Program, and this is coming out of the U.N. The main proponent of it has been and is private funds but there is still money from the U.S. involved in it. There's tons of problems with this whole thing. And the first refugees from the surge resettlement program have hit American shores for the first time here this week. They landed in Kansas City. And of course, what kind of imagery do you have in your mind? What kind of people do you have from all the videos that you see of just everyday people releasing them on YouTube. 99% male from the ages of maybe 20 to 35. Well, that's what they are. But in the media, it's a guy that's probably 65 years old with a grandkid and a, a young couple and a baby. They're not families. They're actually moving. That's propaganda, of course. And aren't you just tired of it? Aren't you just fed up with the crap? I am. So the first refugees have hit U.S. soil, but there is something very important that I want you to know. This program is mostly funded by a Soros group. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So I thought today I would uh, kind of go over some of that information for you. <laughs> it's it's absolutely incredible how bad it's getting. So the first uh, in the news, one of the news articles, I just pull up stuff that has, you know, a variety of locations across the country. They're usually some kind of, you know, affiliate of the ma- the major news networks. I pull them up just because it looks good. And here's one of them. This is from KRQE News 13. Wherever that is, I have no idea. But the heading is, First Syrians Leave for U.S. Under the Surge Resettlement Program. 
Now, I'm seeing this picture. There does seem to be a few kids, but they have to grandstand those out front, you know. The first Syrian family to be resettled in the U.S. under a speeded-up program called the Surge Operation. And I've got to ask you this question. Why are they surging it up? Why are they speeding this process up? They plan on doing it in the next three months. Well, if you would put three months on top of the month of March, that puts us squarely into July when they plan on being done or they said they're going to try and get what was planned for the rest of the year done in three months so that by August, September, all these people are here. Now, here's what I've been told. Look to June and July for some problems from these ISIS people. Well, who knows? You know, they're going to blame it on this. And so we bring it in. But here's the, here's the problem. We have, we have really got some problems. For, there was this previously deported illegal alien who did not have a license and now he has been in a wreck that killed a firefighter. And uh, <clears throat> two children, his two children, they say he faces charges. Well, he needs to be charged. Why did this happen? Because they let him back in. That's why a 33-year-old who officials says was in the country illegally, may face criminal charges. May. You know, if you and I have something wrong, let me tell you how. If you're going 36 and a 35 and they can prove it and you hit somebody, even though they jumped out in front of your car, because you were, quote, speeding, you're a murderer or you're a manslaughter uh, uh, suspect. Okay? If you were had a light out and he jumped out in front of you and your brake light's gone, well, you were illegally on the road. And you're going to get in trouble for all of this stuff. And, of course, anything that's out of, out of you know, the little code book out of place on your car will create a situation where a lot of times your insurance won't pay and you might be liable for more of the law than you would have if you hadn't have. So what's the deal? How come they may only face charges? Well, we've got a problem. We have a problem. And it's because of the agenda. We have Soros wanting to pollute our country with trouble. I'm not saying I'm not saying bad people. I'm saying with trouble. This is trouble on the way. Having this kind of uh, ask the American people. You know what? Why haven't we voted for this? Because they know we would not let this happen. That's why the UN is sending thousands of Muslims to America. WorldNet Daily has a huge article. A news editor for WorldNet Daily has been a reporter and an editor in several suburban newspapers in Atlanta and Charlotte. North Carolina, 
He's also served as the managing editor of the Triangle Business Journal in Raleigh. That's the Triangle Research Park area. And the federal government, he says, is preparing for another surge in refugees, and this time they won't be coming illegally from Central America. What do we do, run out of Central Americans? I'll tell you what happened with that. They brought them in the country anyway. And that's where we got all these uh, diseases that we've never had before. The kissing disease, all that. The U.S. State Department announced this week that the first major contingent of Syrian refugees, not 1,000 of them, not 5,000 of them, 9,000 of the first, this is just the tip of the iceberg, and they have been, quote, hand-selected for resettlement into communities. Now, let me put it to you this way. Because they're grandstanding these people, in the news. What will they be doing? Well, they're going to be putting in the best-looking pictures they can, so they have to have families and the real people. But guess what? Why are they leaving? What's going on over there? Well, there's a war, Doc. Don't you understand? There's a war. Well, go to somewhere else in Syria... That isn't in the middle of a war. Move them to the other side of this stupid country. And resettle them. And then put them in a little UN house and take the ones that are strong and able and put a damn gun in their hand and send them back up to fight for their damn country. Otherwise, go to hell. See, until now, the U.S. has only accepted 300 of the 3.2 million refugees. America, you aren't doing your job. But the U.S. has been the most active of all nations in accepting these Islamic refugees from these poor, war-torn countries such as Iraq, Somalia, and the Republic of Congo, when did they even give a rip? When our countries, that there, there are countries out there that put oil in Uganda and they abscammed all that stuff out of there, or they took all the money and ran. They didn't pay Uganda one dime in taxes, they promised. Oh, let us take your oil and we'll pay you a lot of money. They didn't. They're stupid black people. They don't have any education. They won't have the means to get to us. We can bribe a few of their little top officials, and they won't get anywhere. We'll take the money and run. So that's what they did. So now the Syrians will be added to our mix here. They're cleared for refugee status by the U.N., and of course, U.N. is complicit with Homeland Security, so go for it. Now, who signs them to these various countries? Well, there's this commissioner at the UN. <laughs> but once they're granted this refugee status by the UN, they're screened by U.S. Department of Homeland Security for ties to the terrorists. So let me ask you this. If we 
get any terrorist activity whatsoever. That's not the least of what I'm worried about. Because we have guns in America. We can take care of ourselves, Homeland Security. Don't bother. Because I'd rather them try it and let them have it and leave them rotten in the street. What I don't want to see happen is giving them stuff for free when we can't even feed ourselves. When we have people that were working in places like Indiana for an air conditioning company that made a big profit but wasn't quite big enough, so they're going to leave the country. So the State Department, oh, we know how responsible the State Department was, especially during Hillary Clinton's watch, announced that it will clear these 9,000, okay? So they've landed. Some of them have landed, and they hit Kansas City. Folks, this has got to stop. Let me tell you what's going on. This is this is a planned invasion of America for a reason. Isn't it interesting, too, that Soros has funded this? Now, who in the hell is Soros? Well, he's not an America first person. You know who he is. You know who he is. So the first families to resettle in the U.S. under this speed-up surge operation for refugees. They left Jordan on Wednesday, arrived in Kansas City already to start a new life. Well, actually, if they're a refugee problem, the thing that we should have done first is, could we have relocated them to somewhere in Syria? Obviously, they don't trust Assad because they're trying to take him out, but there are plenty of people in, you know, the capital city of Syria that are happy. Why don't you just move them to some other location in Syria? And why don't you spend some of that money in billions to get them set up for water wells, learning how to plant, give them seeds, help them with some structures, and then we leave them. In other words, we teach them the fish. We don't hand them the fish. We have to get rid of this. This is nuts. Well, I'm going to tell you why it's nuts. Because it's an attack on America. This is an agenda by the world behind the scenes, the players behind the scenes, to take down America. This is all it's about. Now, folks, there's heavy rumors you know, going on about some problems going to hit here June, July, and it's going to have to do with foreigners. So it's not like we have no problems here. We're going to be talking about the economy yet today. <laughs> Got a lot to cover. You know, it's just a shame that they're brainwashing these people, what they're going to have this wonderful life. And, oh, when you get there, we'll feed you, we'll house you, we'll clothe you, and don't worry, we're even going to give you a gas station. Don't worry, we're going to give you a Holiday Inn. Oh, don't worry, we're going to give you a McDonald's. (laughs) 
Since October, folks, of last year, 1,000 Syrian refugees have moved to the U.S., but not in the numbers they've got planned. That was a test. <clears throat> now they're going to start the surge resettlement program, and there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands scheduled to come here. Do you know how many? Well, if you put them all in one location, it'd make one hell of a city. How about 635,000? That's unbelievable, isn't it? It's really hard for me to sound Christian. <laughs> but guess what? First, we express love for one another. In the Bible, doesn't mean ooey-gooey love. Love's like a river. When it's in the bounds, within its boundaries, it's a good thing. When there's a flood and it gets out of its boundaries, it's not so good. The Bible did not say to take care of everybody in the world, as the Catholics are saying, oh, we have these charities for these poor people. You know what the Bible says to do? To take care of each other within the faith within the body of Christ first. And then that will show your love to one another, which will then in turn cause the world to be jealous. This is what the Bible says, not me. And because of this jealousy, they will seek to be seen. Why in the world? Look at those people. They take care of each other. They care for each other. They're in their own family. They have a family. Let's become part of that. Well, there's some requirements. First of all, you're not an axe murderer. You don't abuse people. And you are repentant. And you do not worship the pagan god, Allah. You worship the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. So as we Christians do this, be careful that you not pander your pearls before the swine. The Bible says not to do that. Take care of the people inside. You're a family. You are part of a family. Wait till I get into this broadcast about the fraud that's going on trying to get good people, Christians, patriots, people that are constitutionalists to invest and put money in things from our own American corrupt people. Of course, usually that starts coming from some pretty bizarre, low, you know, things. It, it's just unbelievable. You will not believe it. You will not believe the scams that are going on. Well, maybe you would. <laughs> maybe you would. It's unbelievable. Well, I'm going to play you something. This is from Greg Hunter, Watchdog USA. 
We don't have the money, folks. There's, we're at the precipice of a collapse in this country. The fellow that he's got on is Rickards, is a fellow by the name of Rickards. I think his name's Greg, too. And he's going to be talking to you about the economy. But he's going to be telling you about the banks. You're going to have to follow really quickly, though. Uh, you're going to have to listen real close because he goes pretty fast. He's going to be talking about the banks basically versus what he's saying is it's about the banks versus the um, uh, versus real money called gold. And he's going to tell you what is it going to be like? What is a collapse like that's coming? We're going to be talking after the top of the hour. I'll play this. We'll take a break. After the top of the hour, we'll do some WebBot previews. And uh, we're going to talk about what's on the horizon. But what this fella is saying is, how does a collapse look? What does it look like? So let's get this started and get this one out of the way. No flake moment. Uh, you think a collapse is coming. Uh, let's start there. Uh, for a good reason to own gold, tell me why you think a collapse is coming and uh, what does it look like? Well, uh, you're right, Greg. First of all, there are plenty of good reasons to own gold without a calamity, without a collapse. But to address your question, yeah, look, when I say collapse, uh, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean we all go live in caves. What it means is that the international monetary system collapses, which could basically involve a loss of confidence in existing central bank money. And when I say that, it's not like it's never happened before. It's actually happened three times in the past 100 years. Go back to 1914, what happened then on the eve of World War I? Uh, countries suspended uh, gold shipments. The New York Stock Exchange was closed for five months. Imagine that. The New York Stock Exchange was closed for five months from July to December 1914. So that's what I mean by collapse, when the system just ceases to function. Same thing in 1939. Same thing in 1971. Okay, the stock exchanges didn't close, but, um, you know, the world was in turmoil. We had borderline hyperinflation, three recessions in uh, eight years between uh, 1973 and 1981. So that's what I mean by collapse. But what happens, it's, as I say, it's not the end of the world. What it, what it means is that the major trading and financial powers get together, sit around the table, and they rewrite what they call the rules of the game. They come up with a new system. And so what I'm trying to do is, first of all, foresee the collapse, forecast the collapse, and warn people about it. Number two, look forward and see what the new system will look like and then come all the way back to the president and say, what can you do today with your portfolio and your investments to prepare for what's coming? So that's basically the analysis. Now, why do I say collapse? And, and I've also said, and, and uh, it's very clear, and I think you can prove this scientifically, that the next collapse will be bigger than anything in history, at least maybe, maybe since, you know, the end of the Bronze Age and the fall of the Roman Empire, there have been a couple of big collapses, uh, you know, 1,500 years apart in the last 3,000 years. But... Um, we don't have to uh, hypothesize that. This will be bigger than anything that any of us can recall. Why do I say that? Because I use complexity theory. I use something called inverse probability based theorem. I use behavioral psychology. These are the scientific methods. When I say scientific, I mean this is applied mathematics, experimental psychology, uh, a branch of physics. This is hard science to understand capital markets. Uh, versus the obsolete models that the Fed and other central bankers are using. They're using what they call stochastic general equilibrium models. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, the clock winds down, you crank it up, it, it gets back on time again, something gets out of balance, you apply policy, you bring it back into balance. Or imagine a thermostat, you know, your house is too warm, you turn it down, your house is too cool, you turn it up. 
Those are all examples of equilibrium systems. Capital markets are not equilibrium systems. They are complex systems. And so when you apply complexity theory, you learn a couple things. Number one, the worst thing that can happen, so this is the collapse we're talking about, is an exponential function of scale. When I say exponential, what I mean is it doesn't go up in a, in a linear way. So let me give you a concrete example of that. So let's just take J.P. Morgan. Uh, let's say from 2008 to 2018, let's say, 10-year period, so a couple years out, you've tripled the balance sheet, hypothetically. So you go to Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, and you say, Mr. Dimon, you've tripled your balance sheet. How much did the risk go up? He would say very little, almost none. And the reason is, yeah, we tripled our balance sheet, but it's long, short, long, short, long, short, long, short. All those things net out. The actual net risk is quite small. Uh, we have it under control, so there's very little risk at all. If you call my 85-year-old mother, who's a brilliant woman, but not, a, uh, not an economist, not a complexity theorist, and say, Mom, the bank tripled their balance sheet. How much did the risk go up? My mother would probably use intuition and say, well, if you triple the balance sheet, you triple the risk. Jamie Dimon's wrong and my mother's wrong. In a complex system, when you triple the size of the system, the risk increases exponentially. It could be 10 times, 50 times, 100 times. In other words, there's all this embedded risk. The risk in derivatives, the risk in a balance sheet, is not in the net the way Jamie Dimon would have it. They call that value at risk. The risk is in the gross. If your counterpart's going bankrupt, you don't care what your net exposure on your total balance sheet is. You care about your gross exposure to that particular counterpart. That's why the Fed bailed out AIG in 2008, because they didn't really care about AIG, but they owe Goldman Sachs a lot of money, so they were indirectly bailing out Goldman Sachs. So just take everything I said. Now go back to 2008. What did we hear about over and over? Too big to fail, too big to fail, too big to fail. Guess what? Since 2008, the five largest banks in the United States are bigger. They have a larger percentage of the banking assets. Their derivatives books are much bigger. So, again, putting those facts and the science together, what we can see is that everything that was too big to fail in 2008 is bigger today. Risk is an exponential function of scale, which means the risk is much bigger. And just to top off, uh, you know, the icing on the cake, all the bailout measures that were used in 2008, the Fed printing $4 trillion, creating tens of trillions of dollars of swap lines, none of that policy has been reversed. The Fed still has the $4, billion, $4, sorry, $4 trillion on their balance sheet. They still have the tens of trillions of swap lines in place. In other words, having used up all that dry power powder to bail out the last time, bail out banks the last time, they don't have any scope to do more. I mean, what's the Fed going to do next time? Go from four trillion to eight trillion, twelve trillion? At that point, you're at the outer boundary of the confidence limit. So, so we have uh, we have these things coming together. The system is larger. That means systemically it's exponentially more risky. Uh, the central banks don't have any dry powder. Uh, and it's just a matter of time before the collapse comes. And just to prove that point, go back to 1987, October 19, uh, 1987, the stock market fell 22% in one day. Not a week or a month, but one day. Uh, today, in, in Dow Jones uh, index points today, that would be the equivalent of a 4,000-point drop. Now, you and I know that if the Dow went down 400 points, that would be on every website, front page news, that's all people would be talking about. We're talking about 4,000 points. That's the equivalent of that happened in 1987. 1994, the Mexican peso crisis. 1997, the Asian crisis. 1998, long-term capital management almost shut every stock and bond exchange in the world. 2000, the dot-com. 2007, the mortgage crisis. 2008, Lehman AIG. In other words, these events are not rare. They happen every three, four, you know, six, eight years. It's not quite like clockwork, but nobody should be surprised if it happens tomorrow. So. We've got the systemic scale. We've got the, the exponential increase in risk. The central banks are out of dry powder. 
and it's been seven, eight, sorry, eight years since the last one. It's just a matter of time. So part of the reason for having gold is when this happens, the response function the next time is going to be very different. Last time they printed money to bail out the system, but they can't do that again because they never took the money back. The, the balance sheets are still bloated. By the way, the People's Bank of China printed more money than the Federal Reserve. The ECB, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, they're, they're, they're all in terrible shape. All these central bank balance sheets look like really bad, highly leveraged hedge funds. So what are they going to do instead? They're going to do two things. You can already see this coming. The reliquification of the world, the money printing, is not going to come from the Fed. It's going to come from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. They have the only clean balance sheet left in the world. They, they can print money, too. They don't print dollars or euros. They print special drawing rights or SDRs. So they're going to flood the zone with trillions of SDRs, which will be highly inflationary. But the other thing that's going to happen, and again, you can see this coming, they're going to lock down the system. They're not going to bail out the banks. They're going to close the banks, close the exchanges, suspend redemptions in money market funds, um, you know, reprogram ATMs so you can only get $300 in gas and groceries. It's going to look like Greece and Cyprus. By the way, last year the SEC changed the rules. For the first time, money market funds are allowed to suspend redemptions, which is exactly what hedge funds do in a crisis, but nobody ever thought you could apply that to money market funds, so they will. So, and they will. So the, so the bottom line is the risk is exponentially greater. The central banks are out of dry powder. It's just a matter of time before the collapse is coming. Complexity theory tells us that. It will be a bigger collapse than ever before. And uh, the only rescue will come from the IMF, which will be inflationary, plus locking down the system, which means you won't be able to get your money. So my advice is get some gold now. Don't wait for the panic. Don't wait for the price spike because you, you actually won't be able to get it when that, when that buying panic kicks in. Get your gold now. Put it in a safe place. Gold is non-digital. Can't hack it. Can't erase it. Can't freeze it. You know, so that'll get, that'll get you through. That'll see you through the crisis. Well, there's a lot we're going to talk about when we get back after the break that has to do with this. We'll be right back after this. We'll see you at the top of the next hour.
libation of transubstantiation was found to be resurrection blend, and it was good, and there were many coming for more, and much was quaffed. And what word and what sacred host will be on the supplicant's lips as they meet their coffee maker? In constant quest of the supreme being, your immaculate roast master at Raven's Brew Coffee offers this revival of heavenly flavor and sacrament of wakefulness in a blend of some of the most blessed beans in all creation. Resurrection blend, the chosen one. back to the Waterman Files. Glad you're here. This is the top of the second hour here on April the 7th. And who knows how many days into the occupation here in 2016. Glad you're joining us here. Uh, we have, of course, uh, a lot yet to talk about. And in that last clip that we just listened to uh, from Greg at the uh, USA Watchdog Group, the person he's interviewing is in an interview uh, audio uh, that you heard. There's an entire interview at the Waterman Files in today's post announcing today's show. You can go watch it and go review it. Basically, folks, what we're beginning to find and and uh, ferret out, so to speak, is it looks like that the agenda makers are going to be using the IMF to bring in this new banking system, as the one they're in, is going to be crashing and burning, and they're going to be hopping over to the IMF. <clears throat> now, the IMF prints out things not called dollars, but SDRs. It doesn't make any difference. It's all fiat money. Now, you'll have the Nefera, Nacera folks, the, the, the idiots over there, and they are, and the fraudsters talking about your investments getting you money, and we've got this great deal that we can get you, and you're about ready to get this huge payout. Oh, well, it's going to be coming from this, and then you'll never get your money because the people actually running those scams are taking your money. And they're in some foreign venue. Oh, well, we can't do this from the U.S. because they'll arrest us. Yeah, they'll arrest anybody. In fact, once you don't get your money, you'd be looking for them. 
How long have they been milking you of your money? We're going to talk about those guys next week. Well, anyway, the guy, there was this guy that tested, he went out on the streets in California with a sign. He wanted to know, who's the most aggressive group? Who's the most abusive? So he decided to take a support Bernie sign out on the street, and then he took a Trump, a pro-Trump sign, you know, yay Trump. And so he got out there with the Bernie sign, and everybody was, yay, honking horns, and he was getting high fives. <laughs> he didn't have any problems. He puts out a Trump sign, and he starts getting, the least that he had happened was being flipped off. <laughs> The worst that he had happen is a guy came up and beat him up. <laughs> he actually got beat. He got assaulted just for holding a pro-Trump sign. It was a test to see which one of the groups was the most aggressive, <laughs> which actually, you know, they're blaming Trump. Oh, your group's really going to cause trouble in these meetings. They're really troublemakers. They cause all kinds of problems. There's always police there. Well, when you test it this way, you find out it's the Bernie people. And that side that's the most aggressive. So it was kind of a funny result coming from his little social engineering test there he made. I thought it was kind of funny. One of the things that we're going to now go back into is the Panama Papers. One of the things that we uh, revealed about the Panama Papers is this huge surge of media that grabbed all this information. Now, you got to remember the ICIJ has been working on this for a year behind the scenes. It's interesting they released this information to the media outlets, but the media outlets seem to have picked their, their own people. Now, the other day, even Max Kaiser was uh, with his wife. He, you know, by the way, when he has the... The, the Kaiser report, you know that's his wife there. I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, she was there saying, you know, they've been picking on Putin, and he's not even in there. And then there's these guys, and she printed the picture out that you can see from the ICIJ's website about the Panama Papers, which has all these faces of all these people that were criminally or they were identified in the Panama Papers. None of those, of course, were Putin. She says, we haven't heard from any about any of these. And who else is missing, mysteriously? Any names of any Americans? Come on, give me a break. So, to me, that brings up a problem. Well, it also brings up questions... <laughs> in your more balanced news sites. And so today I'm going to run you a couple of them. And uh, one of these is from uh, RT, you know, talking about the suspicious behavior of the journalist in the ICIJ. Now, I like the group called, uh, the, the one uh, founded uh, called the uh, Center for Public Integrity. It's a fair, it's done some wonderful work. Actually, in the past, the ICIJ's done some great work, but now it seems like there's been a pendant, a penchant for giving a slant to the even the release of the information, rather than bringing about the raw data and said, "Here's what we've got. Here's the data. Here's who we see. What do you think?" 
They're using it as a news source, and they're going to milk it like, how can I say this, like Hewlett-Packard did calculators. Well, we'll just give a man and subtract and, and square root and charge $495. As soon as we saturate that market, we'll give them a little better one. That's how that worked, okay? So that's all they're doing, I think, is milking it as journalistic source material. They're not reporting crime. They're not trying to delve into it. So what do they do? They do searches for sanctioned, you know, well, we got to find who's breaking the sanctions. Why? Why don't you find the criminals? <laughs> Why don't you pick out a criminal and type in, like, Pelosi? Uh, why don't you uh, type in Soros? Why don't you type, you know, do that kind of thing? Well, it's not going to happen from the media they're releasing it to because Soros owns them. Or Murdoch. Well, here you go. Here's a, a an RT uh, basis. And I'll be, while it's playing, there's a little audio section that's telling you on the screen from the video some, some of the uh, dialogue. I will tell you what's on the screen while while we play this. The Panama Papers scandal gaining ever more traction around the world. WikiLeaks has questioned the impartiality of those behind the revelations. The organization believes that the U.S. government funded the Panama Papers expose with the intention of attacking Russia and its president. WikiLeaks says that the revelations come from an American organization it describes as having done good work in the past, but questions its funding by the U.S. government and the motivation behind its attack on Putin. Tumaloma Totoane looks at what the accusations are based on. Mossack Fonseca is a Panama-based offshore law firm. More than a year ago, an anonymous source passed 2.6 terabytes of the firm's data through a German newspaper to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. But what is the ICIJ? A DC-based organization sponsored by, among others, the Open Society Foundation. And remember that name. Well, to sort through the Panama Papers, the ICIJ in turn distributed the files among affiliated journalists and organizations. And this won't deceive the documents relating to Eastern Europe. We were contacted by the ICIJ. We've been collaborating with them for a long time with a request to prepare part of the investigation on Eastern Europe and Eurasia, and we agreed. The Organized Crimes and Corruption Report Project. Now, what is the OCCRP? Here's one of their flagship materials. They named Vladimir Putin Anti-Person of the Year way back in 2014. And that's exactly the organization that WikiLeaks is concerned about over its role in the investigation. But why? Well, let's backtrack a bit. The OCCRP is funded directly by the U.S. government by an organization called USAID, as well as by the Open Society Foundation run by billionaire Josh Soros. Remember, that's the same group that partly funds the ICIJ. Now, what are USAID and the Open Society famous for? What are they famous for? Well, they're famous for Serbia in 2000. This is USAID and Open Society Foundation. They're responsible for the 2003 
crisis in Georgia. They're responsible for the 2004 Ukrainian crisis. And they're responsible for 2005 Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. Directly or indirectly, you know that you are permitting Washington to undermine your own country. And, of course, the more current Ukrainian crisis. Welcome to your wonderful Soros-funded organizations. Isn't this just wonderful? His influences beyond global. The Panama Papers might be a pushback from Soros for Russia last year, banning a number of American non-governmental organizations. And so it seems that pretty much none of the recent revolutions went ahead without some sort of involvement from American NGOs. While the OCCRP does not even hide its anti-Russian stance, and this is why WikiLeaks thinks that its involvement in the attack on Putin undermines the investigation's credibility. Dumelo Mototwani, RT. We asked former MI5 agent Annie Machon about the anti-Russian rhetoric dominating the headlines over the Panama leaks. So we have this probably wonderful stash of documents, wonderful stash of documents that we really should go through. But what we should really do is go through all the stash of documents where they have stuck them that we can't seem to get our hands on, like Hong Kong, where Hillary Clinton has some accounts. But these people put accounts in different venues in order to not just hide their wealth, but to control those locations and to use it for illicit activity that they fund, like running guns into countries for revolutions, having assassins paid to kill somebody, which, if you want to really know how to do it, you could probably find a really good instruction manual of how to get away with that from the Clintons. So, what else do we have? Well, we have this lady he just announced. Her name is Annie Mackin, M-A-C-H-O-N. She was a spy in Great Britain that blew the whistle, I think you uh, you probably came, became familiar with her. She's got uh, a familiar face. If you saw it, I'm sure you'd remember. She's got an opinion about this, too, that I think is important. So we'll play that now. Here we go. We asked former MI5 agent Annie Machon about the anti-Russian rhetoric dominating the headlines over the Panama leaks. This trove of information apparently contains 11.5 million documents, over two terabytes of information, and yet only, I think it's about 149 or 150 have been released to date. Now, this is incredibly frustrating. When I first saw the story break in The Guardian, I immediately was quite suspicious because the, the headline story was about Putin. And yet, in fact, none of the Panama Papers talk about Vladimir Putin. He hasn't put his name to anything. 
Um, and I think, in a way, the story is sort of slightly run out of the control of the journalists who broke it, because they did. They still, in the Guardian, have this sort of guide to hide your how to hide your billions offshore, and that's a video, a video about Putin, his family, and his friends. Why is it Annie Mackin or Meshin, however you want to say her name? How is it that Edward Snowden? How is it that WikiLeaks founder that's still in an Ecuadorian embassy, uh, staying there for his life from hiding from America because he knows how corrupt things are in courts, hiding from alleged rape charges, which he didn't commit? And how is it that myself and Chip and many other people that have been behind the scenes have operated and seen things we're all coming out going, we don't call him a boogeyman. Why do they have to pick out a boogeyman? Because, folks, there are three nations primarily right now that the central banks have trouble uh, controlling. Now, that's not to say that central banks don't deal with these countries. Not that at all. They usually deal, though, via the IMF with uh, special drawing rights, and, and they use a medium in the middle a lot of times. But those three countries are China, Russia, and Iran. Now, we're not even going to include North Korea. They don't have anything. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky to feed themselves because that's all they are is just a military force. That's, that's their economy. And what ends up happening is is that the people that are in power behind the scenes, they all are doing the agenda that is requested of them by the central bank cartels and their uh, agenda makers and, of course, the board members and the chairmen and the owners of those are who's in charge. It's kind of like a holding company. You all know what a holding company is. It's like I take 10000 you get your 10000 and everybody puts their 10000 together, and then you act as one voice and buy a huge uh, uh, amount of stock in a company so that you can take control. But it's a holding company that controls it. Well, the Rothschilds don't need holding companies. They just control it with their own wealth. Behind the scenes, there are many, many of these large family units, they're all banking cartels, that have an agenda to keep banks in control for their own benefit, for their own use, for their own future. They're corrupt. They're bad. <laughs> they're a mess is what it amounts to. The Rothschilds have just recently humiliated Obama, though. <laughs> and there was a article up on Drudge, and it was posted yesterday. I'm gonna I'm gonna read parts of this for you. This was really just amazing, really. In his speech, and this is Obama, following the Treasury's crackdown on corporate tax inversions whatever that is, Obama blamed poorly designed laws for allowing illicit money transfers worldwide. <clears throat> Folks, really we're not talking about 
criminal structures. We're not talking about these being illegal in their face. And as Obama was saying, he touched on uh, tax avoidance is a big problem. (laughs) But it's not illegal to have tax avoidance. It's evading taxes that's illegal. And, of course, it's none other. The the country that the president is in is none other than the worst when it comes to their criminal cartels inside in the political structure, geopolitical scene, being in the banking, being in the midst of the illicit money that's earned and then hidden through these networks. So Panama and the U.S. have some this this thing in common and they have this nice little agreement and neither has agreed by the way to the new international standards that make it harder for tax evaders or those that are breaking laws and money launderers which are you know getting illicit drug i mean they're getting illicit money through drugs uh sex traffic human trafficking and so forth Uh, And they have to hide their money. They use these networks. So in short, Obama is complaining about, uh, you know, corporate avoidance. Of course, he's going to bang on that because they want the left and even the right. Anybody that has these kind of agendas wants you to be the poor American oppressed person, to be jealous of their position as a corporate rich muckety-muck So they play us like a fiddle, right? Well, there are, this has been going on for time immoral, just for a long time. Only a handful of nations have declined to sign the most prominent of these that don't want to share bank info is the U.S., but you and I have now been precluded by the Home, uh, the Patriot Act. And Homeland Security was at the front of that from you and I being able to bail out of the Federal Reserve Note system. They don't want us to escape it. They don't want us to be able to manage and get around it. Panama, the Panama office that was doing all this stuff, it has had their leak happen. And I think this might just be a managed leak. Now, this means they've leaked it, but they're going to keep it within the purview of the agenda makers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, etc., etc. Now, there's something, there's a group called the Trident Trust Company. It's a big provider of offshore vehicles, And uh, it was seeing a large number of accounts uh, moving through Panama. And uh, it said that Panama office was extremely overworked because a lot of people were re-domiciling to Panama from the BMV, that's the British Virgin Islands, and Cayman, that Cayman. I talked to about the Cayman Islands and the Turks and Caicos and the trust deal and and the grand jury I testified in. So... Uh, this person that's talking about this is Alice Rokor, Rokar. Uh, it's the Trident official that's based in South Dakota complaining and talking about 
all of this. Now, South Dakota is one of the most notorious states for racketeering and banking systems there is. They haven't and didn't have any means of making money, so they had to come up with something. And I'm, I'm being serious about this. The system in South Dakota has allowed them to charge what used to be called racketeering interest rates, the kind that the mob used to charge, like 20%, 30% interest. Well, that's common now on credit cards out of South Dakota. It's one of the ways they make money. They don't have anything else to offer. <laughs> it's they, they don't have a thing. So they've moved into this borderline fraudulent stuff that was made legal, but of course it's not moral, nor is it lawful. There's a difference between legal and lawful. Legal just means the admiralty system has approved it. Lawful means it's immoral and isn't constitutional. So there's a difference. We have to end it all, though. We have to get our hands on this and stop it. Now, in the middle of all this release of information, in spite of the fact uh, that we're not going to get a lot of it, I think there's going to be enough that's going to turn things around. Even the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds, the century-old, uh, centuries and centuries-old European financial group or family, they opened a trust company. Did you know that? It wasn't a foreign one. It was in Reno, Nevada. In fact, it was a few, a few blocks from Harrah's and El Dorado Casinos. Uh, welcome there, Mr. Edelson. Uh, it is now moving the fortunes, folks, of wealthy foreign clients out of offshore havens such as Bermuda, which is subject to a new international disclosure requirement. And so this Rothschild Trust Organization, run actually run a, tr a Rothschild Trust Organization that's run by the Rothschilds in Nevada, uh, is real busy. And they're trying to make them exempt. Now, there's nothing wrong with avoidance. What we and you and I are concerned about is how many drug deals, how many mafia figures, how many corrupt politicians, and how many bribes, and how many human trafficking, how much sex trade money goes into these. In a draft of his San Francisco presentation, Rothschild, there is this, person's, this person representing the Rothschilds by the name of Penny. They wrote that the U.S. is effectively the biggest tax haven in the world. He added also that the resources to enforce foreign tax laws really has no appetite to do so because, guess why? The politicians use the same system. Why would they want to pass a law? You know, I think it's time that we stop passing bills giving them special health care. I think they need to have our health care. And I think that they need to be paid and I think we need to get rid of PACs. I think there's a lot that needs to be done. But when you start looking at all the different venues that corrupted it, all boils down to dollars. And until we can control the Federal Reserve's 
by getting rid of a fiat money system and going back to gold, we're not going to get rid of this corruption. We need to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg. Zero Hedge just posted something that's entitled The Defense of the Oligarch and the Plurocrats Themselves and that they are awakening to their own limitations. Oh, over the world, they've been they, their ability to falsify uh, folks' uh, economic well-being of the developed world has deteriorated so fast and so quickly that what was once a, a threat scenario that was just theory by like the Council of Governors and those kind of guys, well, guess what? It's now manifesting through the talks and the words of even Bernie Sanders at times, and definitely Donald Trump. And these are basically because the people have gotten awake. They wouldn't support these guys. They wouldn't be supporting Trump if they weren't awake, would they? They wouldn't be doing it. Okay. I'm just sitting here going, I just cannot believe some of the things that I'm reading, but I'm just going to continue here to give you what news we've got. Now, there was this fella by the name of Kirby from Canada that we talked about the other day. He says there is a growing war or attack on free speech in America in particular. He says the reason that we're seeing this is, at least in his view, is to give uh, is that the establishment is absolutely in full panic mode. And that their control <clears throat> on people is slipping. They are getting scared of Trump. In fact, they were saying Cruz would have been the one they would have picked on, but he doesn't even come close to being as uncontrollable as Trump. Trump is uncontrollable. He's not in the pocket of the globalists. Mr. Trump claiming to be okay with the Fed's monetizing debt. Trump is going to be okay with negative interest rates. Mr. Trump is going to be okay with the talks we've been hearing about banning cash. Mr. Trump is going to be okay with the notion that climate deniers and climate warming people get killed. Mr. Trump is one... Uh, is Mr. Trump, this one, may be a bit uh, dodgy, but is the spectrum going to be in support of all aspects of the emerging growing police state? Mr. Trump seems to be jumping on top of that. What I'm trying to say is Mr. Trump may not be able to say exactly how he feels, but if we were to go back to his roots, we would see that he may be smart enough not to say things that would keep him from being elected so that he could move forward and then roll out all the marbles that puts all these banksters and stuff on their heads when they step on them, right? So we must be patient with our processes. In the meantime, the prices and the paper prices of both gold and silver, and I hate paper prices on stuff like that, just get your gold, get your silver. It's being manipulated. The Federal Reserve has got banks now under them that are even bigger, too bigger to fail, so to speak. 
The fiat money, though, is failing. It's going to fail. When? I don't know. I let you listen to a guy that told you how a collapse happens. Everybody likes to jump into their preppers, likes to jump into the day Thunderdome hits, you know. But that's not how it works, folks. Remember, they're going to control you through financial means. They're going to control you through, oh, you've got to do this to have your money, and you've got to do this to have a bank account, and you have to do this. Well, the best thing to be in is something anonymous that anybody would like, and that's where you have to get into if you had, you know, if you went down to the county and you said, I would like to pay my taxes on my house for the next 20 years, do you know they won't let you? Do you know they won't let you? We don't know what the price is going to be. We don't know what the tax is going to be. Why not? See, what you're asking is, I want to be free of owing you taxes no matter what. I want my house paid for. I don't want to pay you taxes every year. I just want to pay for about 20 years and get a, you know, just let, you know, just get out of the way. And the reason why is pretty soon they're going to say um <clears throat> we won't let you pay your taxes on your home unless you give us your DNA for, and your bank account. And blah, 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 blah. That's what they're going to do. That's how they control us. No, they don't come door to door. They just shut down your ability to operate within the system. So what do you have to do? You have to find a system that can navigate in the dark. In other words, you have to go underground. Now, there are some systems that are above ground right now, like UPMA. Is the Internet going to go down? No. Not unless we have a Thunderdome scenario. What's Thunderdome? That's complete collapse. Power systems go down, which we're hearing a lot about in the WebBot. Uh, financial or electrical storms take out the electricity, which we're hearing a little bit about in the website, in the WebBot. But unless that happens, we're going to have the Internet. The Internet would be the hardest thing in the world to shut down. A lot of people don't agree, but, hey, do you know what the IP address of, of the Waterman files is? Not very many know. In fact, I threatened to put it up. I haven't gotten it done yet. I need to put up the Waterman files email or the uh, IP address so that you can just type it in without having to put in the Waterman file so you can get to it because that's how they control all of us on the internet. But it's more like a phone number. I'll put our my internet phone number to the, my e to my uh, uh uh address and Marty says she has it. And if you have it put it up and I'll put you'll put it in the chat, I'll put it on the water and files real soon. So what we've got, <clears throat> what we have to do is we have to find a means right now while we have our communications and the ability to do this, we have to find right now a way to navigate the landscape. Well, gold and silver happens, but not very easily. Well, right now, yeah, you can go to the pawn shop and they'll rip you off. You can go to a gold dealer, he'll buy it back, but he'll cut a little bit of what you, you know, could be, of course, with less than what you paid for it. Why not figure out how to be starting this? Here's how. 
how do we begin to navigate this landscape? Well, if you go to the Gold Today Kitco, if you go to Kitco, let me go there now while I'm talking. If you go to Kitco, I'm going to type it in here. And you go there to check out the gold price for this time of day. Right now, you know, it's, it's, a, it's got a live chart there. You can get under the charts and data and look live, and you will see that gold right at this moment is 1237.50 right now. Yesterday it was uh, 1222. The day before that it was 1233. So it's the highest it's been in a while today. You can go over and look at silver. Why am I talking this? This gives you an idea that, gosh, if it went up, no, it didn't go up. There's not more value in gold. There's not more value in silver. It's just less value in dollars. So as you begin to see gold go up, it means that the dollar is dropping in its buying power. You need to begin to think, not in terms of what gold is worth in dollars. Who said dollars? Federal Reserve notes, by the way, is what we're talking. Who said Federal Reserve notes should be the standard that gold is valued in? We need to be thinking in terms of weights and measures. Way back in the old days, even during Jesus' time, he got mad because they had these scales where they bought things and they did it by weight and they would cheat. <laughs> he got mad at that. He also got mad at the uh, bankers on the steps of the temple, the money changers as it was called. And he got, I mean, he beat them with a bullwhip. How, how about you and I walk in, each of us line up, and we get a leather whip, and we beat, well, we could start with Greenspan, then we could have lined up a Bernanke, then we could have Paul Volcker, if he's still alive, I think he is. Then we could have Yellen, and we could each take a, uh, one whip. And uh, each of us take a turn and beat him with a whip, just like Jesus did. It's unimaginable. It's unimaginable. Well, imagine Christ. He was in the middle of a Roman Empire. He was in the streets at a busy intersection, a huge temple sacrifice place. And he walks up and beats a money changer. He beats a Bernanke to nearly, you know, just turns his table over and beats him with a whip. The, the Roman guards were after Christ. The, the, the police were after him, but they didn't catch him. Did he break the law? Yeah, he broke Roman law. Whoa, whoa. No, he broke, he broke admiralty law. He broke admiralty law. He broke the devil's system of law. Well, there's no lawful system run by the devil. 
<laughs> so what are we doing? Well, we've got to figure out how to think in terms of weights in gold and silver. So let me give you a little test here. How much does a loaf of bread go for? And how much should you be able, how much silver would it be worth? Let me give you kind of a rough idea. For many, many years, a dime in silver, solid silver, something the size of a dime would get you a loaf of bread, and it always will. A silver dollar would get you a nice meal, and it still will, because it's selling for about 15 bucks, dollar-wise. So that gives you, the dollar gives you the ability to convert it over to what the, the, the markets are worth. So, uh, a, you know, a, a meal is worth this in dollars. Well, if it's worth that in dollars, then a silver dollars, which has about an ounce of gold, it's an ounce of gold, would get you a meal. What would a gold, what would $1,200 get you, which is what gold, an ounce of gold is worth? So we need to be thinking in terms of weights. We need to be thinking that the dollar, which is a, uh, you, you can't multiply it without work, working to get it. You can't sit there and go, I think I'm going to go do QE4, and you go in there to the computer and you go punch a button, and in about five seconds, you have doubled the amount of money in circulation, which devalues it, causes hyperinflation. So what is all this coming down to? Well, it's coming down to a lot of hard times ahead, and the IMF is going to be at the center of the next crumbling attack upon us probably but let's kind of get a little picture of what the web bot says is coming by uh, taking a look at the uh, previews of the web bot we can get that if you go to uh, Cliff High's Twitter account and so I'm going to kind of go through some of the I'm going to go through some of these uh, posts that he has put up because right now he's working on uh, the next report, and so he's seen some things, and so we're getting to, we're getting a chance to peek into the future in regards to the next WebBot report, which I'm expecting to be posted and available uh, sometime next week. He says here that he nine hours ago he says the immediate data in the WebBot says that Bitcoin is going to say goodbye to the 400s. In other words, the 400s is it's going to go past it, and it's going to move into the 500s, but it's only going to make a short visit there. It says it's short visit through the 500s. So it's going to start moving up. That was also one of the temporal markers about the dollar crash and the gold going up. He says, uh, nine, also said nine hours ago, he says, if you are nervous about the markets, the immediate data says tomorrow, and that was nine hours ago, so this is probably meaning Friday, you too will be jittery 
all day long as shit comes flying. So we might want to see what's going on with the markets tomorrow. It's uh, predicting some pretty rocky stuff now 12 hours ago. He said that, uh, so does this mean the trillion-dollar asset on the books of the federal government is worth only $60 million? And he has a link to, of course, a article at Zero Hedge, and that article is entitled Shocking to st- st- Statistic. Over 40% of the student borrowers, student loan people, don't make payments. 40% of them aren't paying. I consider that an invest in our country. Why don't we either make it completely private or get off the bandwagon and educate our people for a better world? Don't you think? I'll give you that article. The next one on the list says here, as forecast, RE, or about the meltdown, high-end first and deepest, wait for FL. Wait for FL. It's another, he's referring again to another article at Zero Hedge. The UK housing bubble, London offers 20% discounts on luxury apartments. And he's saying wait for Florida. So I'll give you that article. This is uh, what's happening, folks. This is definitely what's going on. So we have the WebBot coming out next week sometime, probably. And it's not going to probably give us very good news, but it seems to be holding up so far in forecasts in this world about the markets and so forth. Uh, the forecast for an outlet near you, one year away. I don't know what this is. Is another zero hedge. Folks, if you're listening to it, I am posting these articles in the chat room. That's why you need to go get yourself in the chat room. But you can go to Zero Hedge if you want and find these articles. This one happens to be saying that Venezuela declares Friday a holiday to conserve electricity. <laughs> wow. You know, Venezuela is collapsed. You know, it's literally uh, hyperinflation. Why don't we see people getting rescued from Venezuela? Why don't we save those poor, starving people and bring them to America? You want to know why? They don't want to work with Venezuela because they won't cooperate in the monetary system. That's why. They've been bad guys for a long time. So, let me kind of give you one more here. We'll call it good. It was predicted in the web bot that the political parties were going to fracture. And it says here, political party fracturing. Where have I heard that before? The Wisconsin exit poll says three-in-one GOP voters would abandon the party if Cruz or Trump is nominated. (laughs) Now, that's Wisconsin. Okay, go figure. Okay, it says here one more thing. Maybe we can do this, too. It says yet another... Yet another, CU to fade till 2020s. Now, what's CU to? CU is copper. And AG, okay, we're talking precious metals now, to rise. And uh, that means we're going to be talking about uh, 
gold and silver being a refuge for a little while as far as being able to navigate the financial landscape, it's probably time you do something. If you want to use a hybrid system, go to UPMA and set up your self-account. It's as secure as a bank or more. In fact, the fellow that you're going to see the video on, if you go back after the show and get in the Waterman Files and look at the video I put up today, he says one of the best places to, to do business is with private security firms that are locking up your assets if you're not holding it yourself. And sometimes they're actually more secure because what if you got raided, see? He says they're much more secure than banks. If you have it, don't give it to a bank and put it in a vault. Give it to a private company that will put it and protect it, like, you know, the that have the, the trucks that go out and pick it up and everything. Well, that's what UPMA has. By the way, just to make an announcement, UPMA will be putting up a new communications system, and uh, they've chosen a, a path for that. I will be hopefully talking to you about it next week. And they have a new system in place, a new website. It's going to be unveiled very soon so that you people that have businesses can be doing business with each other literally online in gold and silver without having to involve the Federal Reserve notes. There's going to be a a, a trading and... Uh, a merchant uh, place you can go on the website and see who's offering what. And uh, you'll see that I've already signed up Simply Your Food. I've also signed up Simply Your Health. You'll be able to get health care long distance, and you'll be able to pay in gold and silver. Isn't that going to be cool? Uh, and when everything else collapses, we'll continue to operate. And I'll tell you right now, some of these places that are – uh, dealing with uh, products and remedies uh, are going to have to shift gears and take things or go broke. They're going to have to take gold and silver or likely go broke. Hopefully, there's a surprise coming. I got to talk to Chip, but we're going to be. I'm going to be talking to you about something kind of in that vein real soon, and maybe give us an opportunity to have the access to things so that we can buy stuff with gold and silver potentially and be able to navigate this environment called health with remedies. Yes, to get remedies in gold and silver when the dollar collapses. It'll be really, really important to get get to uh, use that. Wow, I think I'm uh, uh, losing control of our direction here on the broadcast. I think my mind is kind of collapsed, but there's one more thing that I want to talk about. You know, when the housing crisis, Fannie Mae, collapsed, well, Fannie Mae's executives were allowed to keep big bonuses they made as they were engineering this housing bubble. And what it meant was Fannie Mae was allowed to collapse, but they got to take their million-dollar fees. One example was Jamie Gorlick. And Gorlick was the mentor of our new nominee for Supreme Court Justice, Garland, okay? Garland, Merrick Garland. 
I have some news about Merrick Garland is going to blow you away, and I'll give it to you next week. But Jamie was his was his mentor. She was like the assistant to Janet Reno. She worked in the Clinton administration. She joined Fannie Mae in '97. If that gives you anything, she worked there for about six, five or six years. And after engineering the move to private for profit on for-profit prisons as the deputy attorney general in the Clinton administration, Gorlick, that's Jamie, this lady, her name received national attention as a member of the 911 commission, and she is a close advisor to guess who? Hillary Clinton. But she got Fannie Mae compensation and a bonus payment as it collapsed and went into the dirt of $26 million when Fannie Mae collapsed. Isn't that just wonderful? I wonder where that money went. Think we could find Jamie Gorlick? G-O-R-L-I-C-K. Jamie Gorlick. Think we could find them or her in the Panama Papers? Well, we'll have to see. It's been my pleasure. We'll see you next Tuesday, live, 7 p.m. here on All News Network. And, hey, we're getting these rough edges ironed out, and we've been glad to see that we've got about 835,000 listeners finally streaming with the new connections to the servers to give us a count. Thanks for coming. We'll see you real soon. Bye-bye.